Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know this, is the one and only co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. Check out the T Public Store. Great time to go get some ODPH swag. Parlay Points block section is blowing up. The classifieds, the directory, you name it. If it's ODPH, it is there. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the podcast, though, there's a game coming up this week uh-huh. that is kind of a big deal. Kind of a say. big deal, yeah. Arguably the biggest sporting event in North America, maybe the world, Let's arguably. See, easily the number one uh, television event, you know, because I don't want to necessarily call it a program. Uh, the number one television event in the Western Hemisphere, you mm-hmm. know, rest of the world. Who's to say? But in terms of, you know, North America, Canada and, you know, the Western Hemisphere, very large event. Yes, and that is the one and only NFL Super Bowl taking place in Los Angeles, which is an ironic home game for those L.A. Rams this year, going on this Sunday as we are recording. Is it a home game if their fans literally never show up? That is a very good question. I mean, because they tried restricting where you could buy, like you had to be from us, I think it was you had to be from a certain zip code going into the NFC Championship game that they were trying to get super restrictive because the one notorious thing about the Rams ever since they moved out to Los Angeles, and even the Chargers, I think, have run into this issue too, is they just can't get folks to turn out to the game. And it's not the usual thing like you see with the Dodgers all the time where, Mm -hmm. like, you watch Dodgers highlights or if you're on the West Coast and you're fortunate enough to be able to watch those games. You know, it's not like Dodgers games where, like, the first couple of innings, the seats behind home plate are empty, but then by, like, the fourth or fifth inning, maybe even later, they're filled just because, hey, L.A. traffic fucking sucks. The the Rams games are just, like, always filled with opposing teams' fans. So they tried restricting it for the NFC Championship game, and it still backfired. Like, 60-40, if not more, uh, were Niners fans. You have to think that it's a little crazy to say that this is a home game, and you touch upon the biggest fact is where are their fans, really? Uh-huh. Because you don't really necessarily see them filling the stadium, as you touched upon. It's just one of those things with L.A., unless it's the Lakers or Dodgers yeah. or your USC. Yeah. It's not something that really yeah. captivates the town. I mean, that's just – it's something about it. I don't know why, but, you know, yeah. they've had this love affair with the NFL and getting to the second biggest media market in the world behind L.A. – or New York, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. So this is something that they've been dreaming about happening, and you know that when this game was all set and locked and loaded – Everybody was waiting to see, okay, how we're going to fill the brand new stadium that's coming in and such. The very expensive and very nice stadium. It definitely is. And this is something that we're now going to get to showcase to the rest of the world Mm -hmm. as it takes place this Sunday. And it's going to be one of those games that you're going to be sitting watching and thinking, okay, how did we get here? Because, I mean, the puzzling thing about this is the matchup is something that I don't think a lot of people had 
picked out. It's also forecasting. I saw this earlier today. It's forecasting to be the hottest Super Bowl on record. Uh, early forecasts, according to the Weather Channel, are forecasting kickoff to be about 86 degrees. Yikes. Well, I mean, that's the one thing about doing it out in California. You know the weather's going to be hot, and the game should match that excitement, too, because representing the AFC is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Who saw that coming? Uh, and if you say you did, unless you're in the city of Cincinnati or the state of Ohio, you're lying. Fuck you. Well, this was one of those situations, as we talked on the ODPH preseason show. Yeah. If Cincinnati stayed healthy, they were going to contend. Oh, yeah, but we I don't think any of us, and I could even pull up the Excel spreadsheet I made for the picks, none of us figured they would make it to the Super Bowl. I think we all figured they would probably win the division, if not make it to the wild card. Mm-hmm. But in terms of making it to the Super Bowl, hell no. Burrow, Burrow coming back after only half a season, his rookie year because of injury, you know, and, and contending with the AFC North where you've got where – we weren't sure what we were going to get out of Baltimore. If Lamar Jackson stayed healthy, you've got Pittsburgh, which we were like, all right, what are we going to get out of them? Could be Ben's last ride. What are, which version of of uh, Cleveland are we going to get? So we figured they would contend if the chips fell in their pl- in the right place, and they did, but never Super Bowl. It was never a situation that we thought they'd get there this quick. Yeah. But as you touch upon, Joe Burrow has had this resurgence in Cleveland or Cincinnati, rather, yeah. where we all thought it was going to be Cleveland that was going to be representing yeah. Ohio in the Super Bowl. But the Bengals, under his leadership, have really stepped up their play, especially in these playoffs where they have been playing, I don't want to say bend but don't break, Uh but they have hung with teams that on paper should be absolutely wiping them off the floor. Like It shouldn't even be a contest. But the game against Kansas City just rings out about how good this team is. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their the way how they got there, they finished the regular season with a ten and seven record, uh, winning the AFC North on like the last week of the year. You know, they in the wild card round they had a home game against the Las Vegas Raiders where they won by the final score of twenty six to nineteen. You know, and and that was kind of a toss up just because listen, the Raiders are good, but you don't know which version is going to show up. If it's the version that shows up great, then you're gonna have a bit of an issue. But then you got the other version, and obviously there were some other shenanigans involved. Go listen to our you know wild card uh, coverage to talk about that whole nonsense. We're not gonna get into that again. Mm-hmm. But they were able to pull that out there. Okay, so then the next week in the divisional round, they went down to Tennessee to play the Titans, which was all, which is always a tall task, especially when you have Derrick Henry coming back from injury. You know presumably fresh legs, but they ended up pulling that off by the final score of 19 to 16. Thanks to Evan McPherson's robotic leg. Yeah. And then shocking the world, uh, in the conference championship, going into Kansas city and knocking off, uh, the two time defending AFC champs in the Kansas city chiefs in overtime by score of 27 to 24. It's an absolutely wild ride that they've been on, but they're embracing this and really trying to make the best run of this. They can, because, Uh Nobody had expected him to get there like we touched No. So the fact that they're here is really an astonishment to how this team is done. Yeah. And then to look on the other side of the ball, well, it's one of those scenarios that if you go all in, sometimes it works in your favor. Yeah, sometimes it works, and then other times you get the, what was it, 2004-2005 Lakers. Uh Uh-huh, but this L.A. team went all in, took some really risky moves, Mm -hmm. none more standout-ish than Matthew Stafford coming from Detroit, getting rid of Jared Goff, and look at what happened after that. Signings of Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr., Yep. 
And this team got hot at the right time. Uh-huh. And Stafford really got the show of what he's made of. And that's something that in Detroit, he literally left everything on the field. Mm-hmm. Like you can't say that he was a disgruntled player that refused no. to go there. No. He played his heart out for that team until it came to a situation where this opportunity presented itself. He was literally expected to make chicken salad, and instead of giving him chicken shit, they gave him, like, nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. They're like, here, take these pieces of metal and turn it into chicken salad. Like, no, he had one of, if not the greatest wide receivers of all time. That's, that's certainly up for debate in your own personal beliefs. In Calvin Johnson, yeah, you know, and and just could never get through that kind of glass glass barrier that like to make it onto the playoffs, you know, and it and like you said, it was definitely a high risk for the Rams because okay, he might be the guy, he might not be the guy, but you know, scouting reports and your and your analytics could be wrong. He's shown it thus far, and it's looked great, you know, for them. So kudos to them. Well, it's the one scenario that we were kind of saying could be high risk, high reward. Sure. How much does Stafford have left in the tank after all the years that he's been in Detroit with no offensive line? He's now finally has a line that keeps him upright. And look at what he can do. Now, has he been a lights-out elite quarterback? No, but he's been good. He's been good. He's been very good. I will say that. In fact, he made Cooper Cup into an MVP candidate if he's not not the front-runner already. Uh He has really given some stability to this team at quarterback that I'm sorry Jared Goff just never had. No. He was good, but Stafford is a upgrade, to say the least. Yeah. And the bits and pieces they've added along the way, too, have panned out in their favor. Odell Beckham Jr. has been surprisingly a well-fitted yeah. adjust, er, assessment out. to the team. Like, I think that for where he came and obviously the drama that was going on with him in Cleveland and wherever he's gone, there, there's been this unfortunate cloud of drama yeah. that follows oh, yeah. him. Well, and I think it's it was a, ended up being a Randy Moss type of situation where he'd had some tumultuous, where he had, you know, uh, Odell had some tumultuous years with the Giants towards the end. Mm-hmm. Had some successes, much in the same way that Randy Moss had in Minnesota. Yep. Went to Cleveland, had a little bit of success, you know, but obviously mired with some, with some controversy stuff, much in the same way that uh, Randy Moss had in uh, the, with the Raiders, mm-hmm. you know, but then he left and it was kind of like, a, it almost felt like a similar, like, all right, this is on your last leg or else ain't nobody going to sign you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's obviously worked out for him. Now he hasn't put up monster numbers, but he's played very well. He's done what he's needed to do because he essentially had a fill in for Robert Woods. Yeah. And obviously Deshaun Jackson did not pan out there as well. So he stepped in to fit nicely into this team and the Rams got hot at the right time. Yeah. I mean, they almost blew it against Tampa Bay. Like, we can't yeah. say that this was an easy road in the playoffs looking yeah. at who they faced. Yeah, so uh, the Rams ended the season uh, with a record of 12-5. and five. In the wild card round, they faced the Arizona Cardinals at home where they won handedly 34-11. to 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the divisional round, they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defending champs uh, in Tampa Bay where they won by the final, or they, yeah, they won by the final score of 30-27. to 27. But let's not forget, at one point, uh, the Rams were up twenty-seven to three, and Brady almost pulled off another epic comeback. You know, were it not for a hell of a catch from Cooper Cup and then a game-winning field goal. Uh, and then you had in the conference championship round against San Francisco at home, uh, they won by the final score of twenty to seventeen. 
It's been an interesting ride with them, to say the least. But yeah. now doing the matchup on paper, we have to give our official predictions for this. Yeah. But I want to kind of look at the offensive side and the defensive side for both teams. Sure. And then what could be an X factor for each team going into this. Offensively, Pad, who are you giving the edge to? But See, this for me is absurdly tough because I think from the quarterback aspect, and this is nothing against Burroughs, this is just from experience, i got to give a slight edge to Stafford just because he's a little more experienced. Burrow is, you know, a t- technically his second year. It's a year and a half, you know, so I got to give that edge to they're very closely matched on offense. though, you know, because they've got Mixon. Mixon is their first uh, string running back over it since in Cincinnati. Uh, Cam Akers is the first stringer over in the Rams. And then you look at the wide receiving core. You've got Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd all over on the Cincinnati side. Whereas with the Rams, you have Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., who are a hell of a tandem. Mm -hmm. It's very tough, and it's very close. But I think when it ultimately comes down to is i got to give the slight edge to Cincinnati, and that's nothing against the Rams. They have a very dynamic offense. But I think it comes down to that connection and just that deep repertoire Burrow and Jamar Chase already have from their college days that – you know, it's not like with Stafford building his relationship with Odell partway through the year and having to build it with Cooper Cup throughout the season. Burrow and Jamar already have this. Like, mm. they've piled around. They pl- they probably hung out in, in the dorm rooms in college playing Call of Duty or, or Fortnite or whatever, you know, they're playing in college. So they already know each other. I, I would imagine they've already got that repertoire you see with some quarterbacks and receivers. They don't have to say audible you know whatever and do this they can just look at each other and go okay yeah i know what you want me to do so i think i have to give the very slight edge offensively to the Bengals. i have to agree with you but i have a couple different outlooks on this one. sure so looking at the running back matchup joe mixon is playing out of his mind right now uh-huh and it's nothing against cam Akers because he's just coming back from injury yeah but mixon when he gets going, really gives a solid balance to that offense. Where the Rams have been relying a little more heavily, in my opinion, on the passing game, mm-hmm. more so than their run game. Now, that might be something Stafford's more used to in Detroit, because let's face it, Detroit... Who has he ever had for a running back? Exactly. But looking at this, both teams here, there's one X factor that stands out to me. Yeah. And that is a national championship in college. This is true. Because out of the two quarterbacks, who has won one? Uh, Joe Burrow. Right. So being in the spotlight of a big national game, uh huh. he has excelled at the highest level at that field. And, and Burrow also, like you said, played in national title game, so he's got that experience. He also has the experience of going up against the juggernaut of all-stars in that the fact he played that uh, national title game against who? Alabama. Uh-huh. So that is something that you have to give a little experience there. Not saying Stafford isn't experienced. Oh, yeah. But let's face it. It's different when you're going into a regular season game. Yeah. Then you're going into a Super Bowl that will be airing all over the world, the most highly viewed oh, yeah. television event of the year. Well, and it's just a different game just from the standpoint of not even just like on the field and all the pressure and all this and all that. But I saw a clip from like a watch party Fox or Fox sports one was doing where Aqib Tlaib was on there and he was talking and he goes, listen, the Super Bowl is just so different. Everything is longer. 
Yeah. You know, the pregame stuff where you're used to your routine and how fast and how slow you do things. That's longer. The halftime is twice as long. It just everything is longer, so it really throws you out of your out of your element. Now, the time difference between a college regular season game and the national title game probably not as extreme as the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. But at least there's that familiarity on Burrow's side of okay, this is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing when they get going in the game, but this is a situation that I think Stafford might struggle in a little early. Could be because there's going to be those butterflies. There's, oh yeah, there's going to be those nerves because every move you do in a game like this is going to be under a magnifying glass that you're not going to be comfortable with. Right, and no amount of like backyard fantasies or or street or playing on the street by street light, you know, scenarios you work out in your head will ever prep you for this. No, absolutely not. That that no amount of coaching or advice from players or coaches can ever mentally I think get you ready for this moment until you're physically there. It's one of those moments that like to understand the thought process and the mentality you have to have for this game, you don't understand it until you're there. Yeah, it's going to be something that I fully feel they're going to be having some issues with for Stafford. And it's not to say he can't get back on track and he can't get recomposed, but it's going to be something that with Burrow, I think he's got a little bit of an edge here because he's been under that spotlight before. Right. But that's the one thing. College is a prep course for real life. Oh, yeah. So this is something he's been prepped with. He handled that composure very well. Because going against Alabama is no easy feat to let alone come back with a W. Uh huh. So I think that he might edge him out a little bit. Mixon, I think, is a stronger runner than Akers. Yeah. And then you look at the wide receivers. Cincinnati, even though they lost their tight end, I still give that edge to. It's close. And I know you're going to say, mm-hmm. well, Cooper Cup. Yeah, he is the MVP in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. But don't sleep on Jamar Chase. Uh uh-uh. uh. He'll burn your ass. And that's the one thing that I think that they might in a weird sense, cancel each other out. And then you have to look at the number twos. Okay, OBJ versus Higgins. Right. Higgins is still freaking insane. And I think Higgins flies under the radar a lot because he uh-huh. just goes out there and balls. He's not doing the usual headline grab moves that Beckham has done. And that's H- Higgins like a week or two, like either the divisional round or the log or the uh conference championship round had like six catches for like a hundred plus yards yeah like he's great but he flies under the radar just because of all the attention jamar chase is getting and that's something that i think might be the x factor here that defense might sleep a little bit on higgins because everybody's going to focus on chase which Uh, i don't blame them yeah but it's going to be a scenario that if they're going to need of you know a third and long late I'd be looking for Higgins. Right, and and that's the thing, too, is you got to figure on both sides of the ball, Cooper Cup's going to get a lot of attention. Jamar Chase is going to get a lot of attention. So you're going to need your twos, your threes, your tight ends to step up. And in terms of just looking at it on paper, I like Cincinnati's twos and threes and tight ends a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, that's something as well, too. Like I said, they're down their starting tight end. But I still think Cincinnati can overcome that. Oh, yeah. And like I say, looking at the running game, Mixon is a better runner. I'm sorry. He's having a monster year, too. And that's the thing. He's healthy, and that's something that has really plagued the Bengals over the years. That You really have to think that now they finally have a stable running back that's been healthy, that's been going through everything, that hasn't been you know hurt for an yeah. you know, extended period of time. Yeah. This is what happens when this team is really going. And their offensive line has played well. <laughs> with at the, the times. One, the one exception being that divisional round game. Right. So, like I said, it's been a little tough with them doing that there. Yeah. But even with the Rams having a little better line, I mean, like I said, Akers has been a little banged up. 
Sony Michelle is there too, but he's yeah. not really exactly scaring anybody as well. No, even his days in New England, he wasn't doing that. Right. So this is one of those scenarios that looking at this team, I give that edge to Cincinnati, but it's close. Yeah, no, it is. But there's certain X factors that you got to look at away from the tape on the field. How is the big spotlight, especially in L.A., where you know it's going to be a celebrity-filled oh, game yeah. more so? It's going to feel like a Lakers home game more than a football game. If Jack's like front row, yeah, it will feel like that. It's going to have that vibe to it. So who's really going to stand out and be comfortable in that spotlight? And say what you will, but Joe Burrow is just embracing that life. Oh, yeah. So I think that that's where you got to give the edge to there. But it's close. Let's flip it over to the defensive side. Defensive side on paper, I, I got to give it to the Rams. You know, that's obviously not a slight against the Bengals because, hey, you did go into Kansas City and you did hold the, you know, the four-time or two-time or whatever, how many time, you know, AFC defending champs to three points for the entire second half and overtime. But just on paper, I got to give it to the Rams. I mean, you've got Aaron, you've got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, which is just an absolutely insane defense that just loves to stand up. You know, do they play a little suspect at times? Sure. Case in point, you know, the Tampa Bay game. But I just think on on paper, I got to give it slightly to the Rams. I have to agree with you there. And I think the biggest X factor here is Aaron Donald. Oh, yeah. Because we've seen how shaky the Bengals line has been Uh protecting Burrow. Have they really faced a threat like Aaron Donald in this playoffs? Uh, in the playoffs, no. I mean, the defense is certainly battle-tested. As I mentioned, they beat the Raiders, Titans, and Kansas City. And then I'm just kind of looking through their schedule during the regular season. They did lose to Green Bay 25-22 in overtime in Week 5. Uh, they did beat Baltimore in Baltimore 41-17 to in Week 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat the Raiders uh, Week 11, Pittsburgh Week 12, uh, Chargers Week 13, uh, Niners week 14. So right there, I just mentioned four teams that were all in the playoffs. You know, they beat the Ravens again for a second time week 16. They beat Kansas City week 17. You know, so Cincinnati's defense is certainly battle-tested if you look through, you know, the regular season. But in terms of facing a player on the level and caliber of Aaron Donald, hell no. That's the biggest factor that I think is going to be the telling point. I think that Donald gets at Burrow early it's going to be a long game for Cincinnati. Because for as good as, as Tampa Bay's offense is, even they had to double-team and use Gronkowski to stop Aaron Donald for a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. And I think Cincinnati knows this going into it, but looking at the other side of the ball, there really isn't anybody that scares you on Cincinnati's side as no. much as Donald does for the Rams. Like, I'm sorry. I think Cincinnati has a very solid line yeah. for defense, but if you're going to compare – the Rams are a little more ready there. They're a little more athletic. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be putting a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. But I think Cincinnati can at least hang with the Rams. Because the one thing is, as shaky as this team has been sure. in the playoffs, the Rams have been equally as shaky. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the fact that you let Tom Brady at 45? 44. 44. Tear you apart. Uh-huh. And beat you. Yep. Uh, basically, they beat them except for the Rams beat themselves. Without, a yeah, bit. without a, the luck of a coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. That should have been a loss. Uh-huh. The 49ers should have been a loss for you as well. Yep. 
But then again, we like to throw when we have the lead. Still don't understand yeah, that. Kyle Shanahan, uh, second half play calling. Yikes. Uh-huh. This is another factor that's now coming back to haunt them. Yep. And if Garoppolo is not looking at the sidelines and actually moves the ball downfield, it's a whole different ball game. Yep. So the Rams are not exactly striking fear into me like the Ray Lewis Ravens no. going into this game. No. But I think the is all going to come down to can the Bengals stop Aaron Donald? I don't fear Jalen Ramsey at this stage of the game. I think Jamar Chase is still going to get off for some points. Oh, yeah. Well, and even I'm looking at their depth chart right now for the Rams. Ramsey's listed as questionable. Right. But I think that it doesn't matter. I think if they can physically walk onto a field, you're going to see them show up for this game. It's the Super Bowl. And I think that looking at Cincinnati's side, can Eli Apple contain Cooper Cup for the most part? Right. I don't know. That's that's a whole different ball of wax to even kind of comprehend because – I don't know if if Apple, who I think is their strongest cornerback, can slow down the proverbial MVP. Right. I mean, that's just a whole different factor in this game. Like I said, a whole different ball of wax you got to kind of look at for here. But it is possible that he might be able to slow him down if they can get enough pressure on Stafford. Sure, I'm going to use a little bit of help, but yeah. So that's going to be almost it's almost an even matchup per se, but I, like I yeah. said, I like LA's defense a little better. Yeah. So then looking at the special teams, the coaching – what stands out to you that could be an X factor here? Pat? Uh, well, the dude with the biggest you-know-what in the room, Evan McPherson, mm-hmm. and the freaking robotic, insane leg that he has. You know, that's obviously a, a kudos to him. I think, you know, I think in special teams, I got to give it to him. You know, him alone, just because. No disrespect, you know, to their the kicker uh, Matt Gay on the uh, side of the LA Rams, but like I've seen the video of Evan McPherson kicking the cap off of a water bottle when it's on top of a ledge in his Florida days. What the fuck? Um, I think in terms of head coaching, I got to give it to uh, the LA Rams and Sean McVay, just because I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a video from a couple years ago where I think it was Bleacher Report was interviewing Sean McVay and they were giving him week specific game specific and like what down and what side of the field they were on. And, like, what happened with that play? And he can name the play down to, like, the play type or was or even the play call. And it's he's a freaking robot. So I think in terms of the head coaching, I got to give it very slightly to uh, the Rams and Sean McVay. I agree with you on both fronts. I think the shooter McPherson there is going to be a big part of the Cincinnati offense. I think if they can get him close to anywhere he can hit comfortably, yeah. they're going to go for three a lot. I don't think, and that's not a slight against no. the Bengals, but it's just the Rams, I think, are giving them that many problems that I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Looking at the coaching, though, mm-hmm. Zach Taylor, I don't think has ever been in a situation like this. No. And even looking at the other side of the field, Sean McVay has been to the Super Bowl, but did not have the best performance at yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess you could call it, like, you know, youthful inexperience. Well, if I think for everybody that's writing him as the next Bill Belichick, I think people needed to pump their brakes and kind of temper the expectations a little bit. Yeah, uh, and I decided to dig up Zach Taylor's uh, coaching experience because I am not too familiar with him. Uh, he did play one season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a player in 2007. He was also in the Canadian Football League. Uh, as a coach, he was a grad assistant from 2008 to 2011 at Texas A&M. He was the assistant quarterbacks coach for the Miami Dolphins in 2012. Uh, and then in 2013 to 2014, he got a promotion and was the quarterbacks coach. 2015, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and then he was the, there there it is, uh, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in Cincinnati in 2016. Uh, 2017, he joined the Rams as an assistant uh, wide receivers coach. 
then was the quarterbacks coach with the Rams in 2018. Uh, and now he is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, since 2019. So he's a product of Sean McVay. Interesting. I have, you know, that's funny. I've never heard that storyline coming out. Yeah. Maybe because me, I've heard it mentioned a couple of times, but yeah, yeah, it's, been it, very, it's not been like a main storyline. Like, Oh, the team, the teacher is meeting the master. Yeah. It's, it's something about that. I, I figured they would do that. The teacher meeting the student, like yeah. I think that you would have something like that driving the headlines. But this one has really not had that kind of sizzle on the game that you would hear. Like, I, I think it's just because McVay hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Taylor very early in his career, like it's there, and it's like, oh, okay, but like it's not necessarily in the same vein of like if if Josh McDaniels were to meet, you know, since he's the head coach of the Raiders now, were to meet Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl in some way, shape, or fashion, that yeah. like then it'd be a well, shit, it's one of Belichick's six Super Bowls, and you know, one of his, I got you know this it's like okay mcfay is good you know but he hasn't been in it long enough to really build that kind of mystique yeah to build that forte yeah so that being said we did get in a couple predictions from some of our fellow content creators yeah so let's kick it off with the one and only dre driven you know what this is it's your boy dre aka dre driven First of all, I'm happy for Matt. He finally got away from that garbage Lion team and sh- showed the world that he's a pretty good QB with a little help. OBJ finally didn't get on that boat. He played, and he's going to Super Bowl. So hopefully they get that chip, get that win. I like both of them. Um, I'm looking for a shootout, but I think the Rams may pull this off. I mean, I was wrong with the Bengals. I thought the Chiefs had it, but they surprised me. But I think the Rams, with that offense and that defense, I think they're going to win this whole thing. Um, they've been there before. They got a chip before, so they've been there. So um, we're going to see. I have no beef with anybody winning this, though, but I'm running with the Rams. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and it's all good, though. But, you know, Ram Nation, I guess. Congratulations once again to both of these teams. Can't wait to see the Super Bowl. That was the one and only Dre Driven at Dre Driven eighty three on Twitter. Definitely go hit him up about this one. Shout out for the boat reference. Holy fuck! Dre went in at him. No, no hesitation. Well, you know he's a Cowboys fan. He's gonna have no, something to say I about know. that. I know. Now, a few of our other friends did not send in audio tapes, but they did decide to send some tweets in. Yeah. So definitely, let's go through the line. First up, our guy Josh over at Talking Smack Podcast. Uh, I hate LA and their damn super team. So go Cincy. Yeah. Stu from SWO Productions just simply put. Fuck the Rams. Well, I wonder how he feels about it. Yeah. Our guy JVD from Crossover Collision said, I picked LA to win it all at the beginning of the season, but I'm pulling for Cincinnati. Yeah. Jay West from the We Get Dub podcast echoed those exact same statements. Evan the Great from Crossover Collision as well chimed in. Bengals, but I would, but I hope this make, this would make a great documentary if they pull it off. Hell yeah. Brody Sports Talk. Definitely go check them out. They've been doing a lot of coverage for the big game, so you definitely want to give them a plug. Uh, it's a little too early what they're saying, so they're going to kind of hold it off to the end of the week. So you definitely want to make sure you, you stay tuned for their pick as well. So shout out to everybody that tweeted at us their picks. Definitely let us know. Hit us up on the social media too at OD Parlay Hour. We'll put we'll be retweeting everybody's picks from yeah. here and then. But that being said, though, you got to get the panels picks. Yeah. So pad. Who you got? This should be a great Super Bowl, all things considered. I I think it's not going to be a defensive sleeper like the Patriots Rams was a couple of years ago, you know. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be a barn burner. You know, like currently, the line is the over under is forty eight and a half. I don't think it's going to necessarily be a type of game where we we get the over before halftime. 
That being said, I'm going to give it to the Cincinnati Bengals just from the fact that I, I was really thinking about this and I was really going back and forth about this all week since the uh, conference championship games. And, and the more I thought about it, the more I started to see some comparisons to a certain game that took place in February of 2002. Mm. And that would be the certain Super Bowl between the then St. Louis Rams and the, the New England Patriots, where you look at the St. Louis Rams of the you know early 2000s. Greatest show, show on, on turf. turf. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, you know, all these other guys on offense. Dynamic offense. Holy shit, can score it well. And then you had the Patriots come in with a very young, very inexperienced quarterback and some decent pieces around him, but really nothing to really strike fear in you. Mm -hmm. And you had the Patriots, again, thanks, due in part to a kicker, come in clutch and win it at the end. And I think you're going to see... Some of the same things again. I don't think you're not. I'm, I think Evan McPherson is definitely going to play a factor in this just because look at how damn good he is and how accurate he is. But I'm looking at this going, okay, the Rams then, as I mentioned, greatest show on turf, all those pieces. You look at the Rams now, Cam Akers, who's a pretty good running back, uh, Stafford, who's a very good quarterback. You've got Cooper Cup, MVP candidate. I'm sorry, you can't say otherwise. And Odell Beckham Jr., who is a dynamic piece in and of him itself. And then you got the Bengals who are flying under the radar. Should, much like the Patriots in 2002, shouldn't be there th that early that quickly. Mm. You know, have some decent pieces around them, some dynamic pieces uh, around them, and I think they'll be able to pull it off. Ooh, going Bengals. Going Bengals. You know. And it's nothing against the Rams. It's just I'm looking at it, and that's what my gut is telling me. Not even, but that's the thing about this. This game is going to be a lot closer than I think people are giving it credit for. Yes. Also want to shout out Mash from uh, Hopskeeks News, and he's doing a sports podcast too, Sports Brews and News. Uh, said, rule the jungle, please. <laughs> so definitely want to shout him out as well. This game on paper is very close. Yeah. And I don't have any rooting favor in this game. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely don't. I don't mind the Bengals. I don't mind the Rams as much. I'm happy for Stafford that he finally got to a big game because yeah. – He's left it all on the field for Detroit. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I, I don't hate the Bengals. You know, like I said last week, or last week, they're the lovable losers for me. They're the NFL version of the Cubs. Like, I, I don't hate against them, but they, I know I'm like, hey, good for you. And then the Rams, listen, I got nothing against the Rams. I, we beat your ass twice in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those scenarios that I'm just going to go enjoy a good football game. But who uh -huh. is going to exactly come away with this chip? And this is where I think that possibly Cinderella's run comes to a crashing halt. Okay. I think that as dynamic as that offense is for Cincinnati, I feel that Aaron Donald is going to be the big factor in this game. Could be. And that if the Bengals offensive line, which has had played great in these playoffs. Oh, yeah. Well, with the exception of the one game. With the exception of the one, but let's face it. Yeah. Statistically, the numbers are in their favor. Right. It's going to be a scenario that they're going to have to have the game of their life to hold off Donald to give Burrow enough time to get going. I think that if Donald sets the tempo early, yeah. I think the Bengals are going to really struggle. Mm -hmm. But I think they're going to be able to hang with them just enough. Yeah. But all that being said, I like the Rams. Okay. 
24. Mm, okay. I'll give you a point spread, too, on okay. this. I think that the defense is going to play that much of a factor that you might see the Rams sneak one in late. And I, like Could I be. say, Could be. it's not. I don't see this game being a blowout. I think this is going to go back and forth very no, well. No, but I do give Sean McVay that much credit because he's been here before. Yeah, he realized okay what happened when he was trying to take on Belichick and how well. Let's face it, blew up in his face. Yeah, I think that loss is a good loss because you can say you've been there, you know what to expect. There's going to be a lot of pressure. Yeah. But I think it's something that I think he'll be okay with. Where on the flip side, the Bengals really been playing with house money this entire time. Oh yeah, could they pull it off again? It's possible. I think if it's twenty four twenty four late, yeah. oh, I'd, I'd give the favor to them. Yeah. But I think the Rams are going to just kind of jump out a little early. If they get up, maybe let's say fourteen ten at halftime. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be anything easy for the Bengals to come back in there. No, I, I don't think we're going to see a scenario like when New England played the Falcons and it was like 28 to 3. Yeah. You know, I don't think we're going to see necessarily anything that wide. I think the widest point margin we'll see is seven, maybe nine points. Or no, seven, maybe 10 points. Sorry, I forgot math there for a minute. No, I agree with you too. Like, this is not going to be a blowout. Like, you're not going to see a 28 to 3. No. Like, I, no. I, I, unless Joe Burrow has like the worst game of his life for Stafford. I think that you're going to see this being like a 14 to 10 at halftime and then a 27-24 win. Like, I I fully see that happening. I think both of these teams are really mirrored a lot. Sure. And it just depends on who wants it more in that moment. And I think with Burrow being there, I think that will help that Cincinnati offense. Their defense, though, while good, I mean, they've been playing over their overachieving a lot. I guess that's a nice way to put it. Playing a little over their heads, playing really trying to you know steal a couple games here and there. Can they do it against a Rams offense that when it gets hot, it's almost unstoppable, almost. But as we've seen in these playoffs, the second half, I don't know if they gas out. I don't know if they put it on cruise control. They seem to let off the pressure. Mm-hmm. If they do this against a Bengals team that has nothing to lose or the fact they're here is like gift enough. The Bengals could sneak this out. They could, but uh, but I think part of my reasoning and thought process with the whole thing is, is the Bengals are like you said, are playing with house money. They theoretically shouldn't even be here just because they're so young. Burroughs, so inexperienced Jamar chase. It's his rookie year, you know, so they're playing with house money. They got nothing to lose. Like if they lose the Super Bowl. It'll suck and they'll be disappointed, but hey, you got a lot of years ahead of you. Oh, absolutely. You got plenty of time to make up for it. The Rams, you almost have to win. It's a home game. You're sleeping in your own bed. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about any of the antics with fans outside of the hotel rooms and making noise to keep you up at night. Yeah. You know, you get a home cook and you get to see and kiss your wife before you go to the game. Like, you get all the amenities and benefits that come with playing at home. You have a stacked lineup on offense and defense where I just looked on Spotrack.com. They'll have 19 players as free agents after the season is done. Yeah, this is winner go home. This is a winner go home type scenario. So that's why I think for the Rams, the pressure, all the pressure is on them. There's there's obviously pressure on the Bengals because, hey, you have to deliver. Sure. There's an entire city with no school the day after, and there's a lot of kids who are going to be disappointed if you don't win. Mm-hmm. You know, But I think when it comes to the pressure, can the Rams live up to it? I don't know, just because you look at that game against Tampa Bay and they almost blew that fucking thing. You know, 
I, I just don't know. Can they win? Yes, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't, oh, sure, yeah. you wouldn't be here, you know. But I just think I just give the edge slightly to the Bengals. No, I mean, I get that fully, Pat. I, I do, but that's why I say the whole win and go home, and I know that's like, well, it's the end of the season. I don't think people realize that this team is not going to be back in this next year unless they pull off some cap magic that we have never seen in our lives. Right. They just have enough free agency issues that this was literally built to win this year. Oh, yeah. If they don't come back with the chip, the season's a failure completely. I'm looking at Spotrack.com and the L.A. Rams list of free agents, and among them are Von Miller, who is an unrestricted free agent, Sonny Michel, an unrestricted free agent, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., an unrestricted free agent, among the other, you know, 16 names that I hadn't mentioned. Right. I mean, that's something that this team is going to be a completely different team next season. I don't know if they get back here. I don't. I, I don't really either. don't think they do. I, I don't think so. Not unless, like you said, there's some magic and wizardry done by their front office sure. with the with the salary cap and all that. But in, in, this team is going to look very different come next year. Right. So that's why I say I give the pick to the Rams. But if the Bengals win, I'm not going to be mad either. Like no. I'm rooting for the Bengals, but I think the Rams are going to do this, and I think it's going to be a close game. Even Rich from 3FN was saying that as well, too. Like I know he didn't give his official pick, but we were talking yesterday about it. And he's saying he feels the Rams are going to do this as well. Either way, it is going to be a fantastic game to check out Sunday, February 13th, live on NBC. Peacock will be streaming it as yeah. well. 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so you can do the math where you are watching in the world. The halftime show is going to be epic. Dr. Dre, Snoop, Kendrick Lamar, Mary oh, J. Blige, oh, Eminem. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be it's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be a great time to watch the game and put the 2021-22 NFL season to rest because yeah. it's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, We have given you our picks now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Who you got for the big game coming this Sunday? Cincinnati Bengals, LA Rams. Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk some UFC. Yeah. Finally, we have a pay-per-view to discuss. Coming up this weekend, live from Houston, Texas, is UFC 271. One very big title match to be the main event, but they also have some very solid matches on the main card. So, Pad, let's talk about them, shall we? Uh, Yeah, so the first matchup we're going to talk about is on the main card, and it is a middleweight matchup between Jared uh, Kenny and Derek Brunson. Yeah, this one could be a little title implications. You never really know. I mean, obviously, with the champion of the middleweight division being so dominant, you never know who's going to be stepping up there. And this is something where Kenya and Bronson could make some noise about getting that title contendership match after this one. Both guys are very solid fighters. I do like Kenya just a little better. I think that his striking is a little more on par, and I think he's a little more well-rounded, but I don't doubt Brunson coming away with a win here as well. Pad, you got any feelings on this one? So, yeah, just some stats and some general information for those of you keeping track at home. Uh, So this is, as I mentioned, a fight for the middleweight uh, division uh, where the current champion is one Israel Stylebender Adesanya. 
Uh, this is Derek, uh, Jared Kennedy is the current third-ranked fighter, mm-hmm. and Derek Brunson is the current fourth-ranked fr- uh, fighter. Uh, both of them have Marvin uh, Vittori in the number two position and Robert Whitaker in the one position ahead of them. Uh, so for his career, Jared, in 19 professional matches, has a record of 14 wins, five losses. He's on a one-fight winning streak. Uh, he beat Kelvin Gastelum in his last fight by unanimous decision. That was back in August of last year. Uh, he lost to Robert Whitaker in the fight prior to that by unanimous decision. That was back in October of 2020. And prior to that, he was on a three-fight win streak, beating the likes of uh, David Branch by knockout, Anderson Silva by knockout, and then uh, Jack Hermanson by knockout. Uh, on the other side, you've got Derek Brunson, who in 30 professional matches has a record of 23 wins, 7 losses, and he is on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 fight win streak, submitting uh, Darren Till in his last fight, uh, which was on September of this past year. Uh, unanimous decision win against Kevin Holland, that was in March of last year. Uh, and then knocked out Edmund uh, Shabazian uh, back in August of 2020. Unanimous decision win against Ian uh, Hench. Uh, that was back in August of 2019. And then a unanimous decision win against Elias uh, Theodoru. That was back in May of 2019. Uh, so just looking at it, uh, I'm going to give the slight advantage to Derek Brunson. A little more battle-tested, and I think he's uh, on a bit of a roll, and there's no stopping that freight train. It's going to be a great fight. I think that both guys are closer in this one than I think people are given credit for. I know Canyon is a minus 180 favorite right hey. now. But he's had a better pedigree. Like, I think he's a better fighter, but it's not taking anything away from Brunson. This is not a one-sided fight by any means. But I do like Canyon in this one. But I would not be shocked if Brunson snuck one out here. Right. I really wouldn't. But I'm going to say Canyon. I'm going to say... Third round stoppage. Okay. I'll go out there right now. Okay. Uh, and then next up is the co-main event of the evening. This in the heavyweight division where you've got Derek Lewis taking on Tai Tuivasa. Oh, boy. <sighs> well, I'm going to tell you this. Hi, the children, folks. This is going to get ugly. It's going to be an ugly fight. <laughs> Do not come here looking for jujitsu. Do not come here looking for any kind of technique. You're going to have a wild brawl. What is it Big E likes to say in WWE? Big meaty men slap and meat or something like that? Yep. That's all this is going to be. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm here for this. Derek yeah. Lewis is number third fight, ranked fighter in the UFC, his heavyweight division. Uh, Tuivas is number 11. Which is an interesting matchup, although then again, UFC's rankings matter as much as AEW's do, and not at all. Exactly. I mean, this is something that... They have been kind of politicking to do this for a while. Like both guys have really wanted just to fight each other, and like there's not like an animosity thing. It's just Tayavasa is one of those fighters. He comes out, he does shoeies after the fights. Yeah, he does. Derek Lewis has said on record, "I am not going to do a shoeie if I win." Yeah, he, they're going to have a lot of fun in this one. That's what this fight is going to be. This is one for the fans. And I like I can't stress this enough. You're not coming here to see technique. No, you're coming here to see somebody get knocked out. Hell no. I just. I, I don't know who I like in this one, to be honest with you. Like, I usually take Derek Lewis here, but Tayavasa is no slouch in his own right and has pulled off some crazy knockouts in his run here in the uh-huh. UFC. So I know, Pat, you got those stats lined up. Yeah, so Derek Lewis in his professional uh, career has 35 matches with a record of 26 wins, 8 losses, 1 no contest. He is on a one-fight win streak, knocking out uh, Chris Dukakis uh, in his last fight. That was in December of last year. Lost to Cyril, Cyril Gan via TKO uh, in August of last year. And then prior to that, he was on a 1, 2, 3, 4-fight win streak, uh, beating the likes of Curtis Blades by knockout, uh, Alexei Olnick by knockout, 
Ilir Latifi by unanimous decision, and then uh, Blagoy Ivanov by split decision. Uh, I'm looking, yeah, this is literally going to be, no matter how this comes down, is going to be like a knockout or a decision win. Uh, because in his career, uh, Derek Lewis only has one win by submission and one loss by submission. The one loss by submission comes via Daniel Cormier at UFC 230. That was in November of 2018, so duh, of mm-hmm. course. And I'm inter- and I'd be interested to see a video on this if it exists. Uh, his one lone submission win comes from way back in his career, November twelfth, twenty ten, for a federation called Worldwide Gladiator, where he beat a gentleman named Raheem Cleveland with an armbar. Which I love. What? Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, Derek the Beast Lewis, Mister My Balls Are Hot, has one armbar submission win under his record. I'd love to see footage of that. I gotta find this. Uh, and then on the flip side, you've got Tai Tuivasa, Mister Chewy himself. Uh, in 16 professional matches, he has a record of 13 wins, three losses. He's on a one, two, three, four fight win streak, uh, defeating the likes of Augusto Sakai via knockout in his last fight. That was in December. Uh, Greg Hardy via knockout in July of last year. <laughs> uh, Harry Hunsucker, yes, that is his name, uh, via TKO. That was in March of last year. And then Stefan Struve via knockout in uh, October of 2020. Uh, so both, and uh, he's got zero submission wins under his belt and one submission loss. So, like I said, not much wrestling in this one, folks. No, this is not going to be any kind of technique. You're going to see hands thrown. You're going to see amazing sound clips leading up to this because Derek Lewis is always amazing on a microphone. And Tayavasa is probably coming out to some Spice Girls. Probably. Let Let's be honest. He likes to put on a show for the fans. And like I say, this is one we're just going to have some fun with. But, Pat, who you got? I'm going to take uh, Derek Lewis just from the sheer fact of uh, there's a little bit of hometown flavor with this one. Hometown flavor with this one. Uh, he, resi- he resides in uh, Cypress, Texas, but this fight is taking in Houston. So a little hometown pop, a little hometown cooking. Uh, nothing against Tuivasa, but I'm going to give it to Derek Lewis. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm going to say this. Somebody's getting knocked out. Yes. I just can't figure out who, but all right, I got to make a prediction. Gun to your head prediction. I'm going Derek Lewis. I mean, okay. it, it, like, here's the thing. Tuyavasa can knock somebody out, and he stands in the pocket a little too much. If you do that with Derek Lewis, it doesn't matter. Derek Lewis can summon the hammer of Thor in his hands and just knock you silly. Like, that's how crazy he can do with his power. Yeah. So if Tuyavasa is going to stand and bang with him, uh, it's going to be a short night. Um, but I do like Lewis. I guess I got to make official prediction. But this will be one of the most talked about fights uh-huh. for, all, for all the pregame and postgame yep. nonsense that goes on with this one. Yep. And I'm here for that. But now we have a main event, though. Yeah, so this is for the middleweight championship where you've got Israel Adesanya defending his belt against Robert Whitaker. Uh, so some of the stats, you've got Robert Whitaker, in, who in 28 professional matches has a record of 23 wins, five losses, is on a three-fight win streak, uh, defeating the likes of Kelvin Gastelum by unanimous decision in his last fight. That was back in April of 2021. Uh, Jared Kenye, uh, who he beat by unanimous decision in October of 2020. Uh, and then Darren Till, who he beat by unanimous decision in July of 2020. Uh, he, we should note, did fight Israel Adesanya, 
uh, back in October of 2019, who that was his last loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the flip side, uh, Israel Adesanya in 22 professional matches has a record of 21 wins, one loss. Currently on a one-fight win streak, uh, he beat Marvin Vittori by unanimous decision in his last fight back in June of last year. Uh, lost to Jan Blahovitz, uh in March 6th of 2021. Should note, though, that one was for the light heavyweight mm-hmm. championship, and that was his first fight at light heavyweight champion, uh, light heavyweight division, where he made the brilliant decision to fight at his normal weight and not bulk up when uh, Blahovitz bulked up. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Uh, prior to that, he won, like, every single fight. Here is the thing. Adesanya, I understand what he was trying to do against Blahovitz. We just got to throw that fight out. That, that sure. Fight, a little asterisk. Yeah, you, you can't really kind of count that against him. Yeah. Arguably, he is the next Anderson Silva. Uh-huh. Fight's very similar. He has a unique style to him. He is not afraid to go in there and be a little more aggressive than Silva, which is something I really like about him as a yeah. fighter. Robert Whitaker is... If I always say the Indianapolis Colts are the most boring team in football, but they win, yeah, I feel the same way about Whitaker in the UFC. But I like Whitaker. Like this is not a diss, but this sure. is just, he's he's a guy that gets in there. He's very technical. Uh huh. He does things by the book. Yeah. So he's got of his twenty three wins, nine are by knockout, nine are by decision, and five are by submission. Yeah. Like he's he's the definition of a, a well rounded fighter. Like, he can go in there and fight anybody's style, and every time I pick against him, he wins. Yeah. And it's not, and like I want to stress this, I like him as a fighter. It's not like I I, I root against him. Right. There's there's fighters that you'll know if you listen to the show long enough. You know I don't like, and I openly root against him. Whitaker's not that. But Whitaker is one of the more puzzling fighters in this division because if he loses to Adesanya... Where do you go from here? Yeah. And I I don't see him going up to light heavyweight. No. I damn sure don't see him dropping to 170. That's not going to happen. He's really got a tough challenge on his hands. And Adesanya at this weight class, I mean, that's his weight class. I'm sorry. They're, him going up to 205 unless he was really going to bulk up. Right. I I don't see that purpose. Like, I understand he, he is the next Anderson Silva. Right. Silva could go up there and do some damage. But Silva you know, is one of those unique fighters once in a generation. He had great success up there. Adesanya, the first go-around, not so much. Yeah. So him being the king of the 185s is not a bad thing. So that being said, I got to go Adesanya here. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, I'm just looking at Adesanya's, you know, record and, and some of the folks he's beaten. Paulo Costa, Yoel Romero, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, Anderson Silva, Derek Brunson. Brad Tavares, Marvin Vittori, you know, just a who's who of, you know, middleweight division guys that, you know, the one asterisk on his record is that loss to Jan Blahovitz. But again, he made the boneheaded decision of not bulking up leading up to the fight, and he stayed at his normal fight weight. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you have to throw that one out. I mean, yeah. this, it's just him feeling himself a little too much yeah that you know but fighters do that i mean you have to have that certain confidence and swag to be successful i mean that's why you see he is now a rising star in the ufc oh absolutely he puts on memorable performances he's scary when he gets in that cage and that's what i think i could see him stopping whitaker third round and it's nothing against whitaker like could whitaker win this fight absolutely oh yeah but 
I don't necessarily know if he's going to be able to pull it off because I think Adesanya gives him too many problems with his speed and his striking. I just think that that's going to be the X factor in this fight. Then the question becomes, where do you go from here? And there is some rumblings, and Pat, I just want to know your opinion on this. Sure. Adesanya will arguably clean out the division after uh, this one. I believe so, yes. After Whitaker. There is some buzz going around, and I don't know necessarily how much truth there is to this, but there's another champion that is also cleaning out his division as well. Okay. And after his next fight, the rumors are kind of swirling. Maybe he's going to move up a weight class. Okay. So after this fight, is there a chance we see Kamaru Usman versus Israel Adesanya? Uh, I think if the cards are right. You know, and if all the stars are in alignment, sure. Why the fuck wouldn't you do that fight? You know, whether it'll happen or not, I don't know. You know, people and, and their way they think are, are funny sometimes. I mean, you look at boxing and how many years did people say they wanted to see, you know, uh, they wanted to see Floyd Mayweather fight Manny Pacquiao and we didn't get it until it was way too late just because they were both boneheaded. Mm-hmm. You know, this could turn into the same situation, you know, where it's we want to see him fight for so many years that when it finally happens, it's well past the prime of when it should have happened. Do I think it'll happen? Oh, hell yeah. I think they'll they'll look at the pay, the pay dollars and, and the rough estimate of how much they'll make on the fight and go, no, yeah, we're in. Yeah, I fully think so, too. I think that that's the fight you got to make if you're Dana. Honestly, at this weight class, there's only a few fighters that Israel hasn't faced yet, and I don't necessarily know if they're box office. I mean... Could somebody sneak in there and make a run? Sure. I mean, you know, Chimeyev, if he can get past his next couple fights, is going to be lurking around, and he said he'd go up to 185 and fight him. But Chimeyev is a different breed, to sure. say the least. Sure. So I think if if this happens, I think Dana's really got to, have to sit down and talk about this. And if, if Usman wants to move up for that payday, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a fight, too. I mean, Usman is pound for pound the best fighter on the planet, bar yes. none. So yes. I don't know what I don't know exactly know what you'd go from here, but it all depends on if Israel can beat Whitaker on Saturday night. I think he can. It's going to be a good fight, but after that, either you're going to have one of two things: either you're going to have Whitaker retake the belt, or you're going to have Adesanya really start asking some questions about where do I go from here. Yeah. Either way, there'll be some fun fights going on this Saturday night. UFC 271 will be live on pay per view. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about UFC 271? Who you got in the big fights? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to Talking Shiz. I am CJ. And I am Maddox. And our podcast is like a radio show. We have no certain topics. We talk about anything and everything. And our opinions don't matter. And we do have a pod page. What is our pod page where folks can find our platforms and what we're all about, Maddox? I'm glad you asked. As a matter of fact, that is podpage.com forward slash talking without a G uh, dash shiz. And that's where our it's our one-stop shop. It has everything there. It has all of our donation links. It has all of the content that we have created, our recent related reviews. And it even gives you where you can find us on different applications such as Google, uh, iHeartRadio, you name it. We're in almost in every single 
uh, branch of applications out there. So please check it out. There's even, if you want to become an official shizzler, we even have merchandise. So definitely go there, check it out. And yeah, it's literally the best one-stop shop. Absolutely. And sharing is caring. So make sure you guys share, share, share. We're on Twitter. And that's talking underscore shiz, Instagram, talking underscore shiz. We have Facebook, we got our pod page, we have different platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, what Maddox said, we are everywhere. So definitely check us out, and we definitely appreciate you guys listening. Yes, thank you guys, and we'll see you on one of our episodes. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Well, it's been an interesting week to say the least in the land of pro wrestling. Yeah, a little bit. A little snowstorm action kind of derailed some cards. I talked a little bit about this on the latest blogs count anywhere where you can find on Parlay Points at odphpodcast.com. But there's a couple stories that I know Pad has got a little opinions to say. Sure. So do we want to kick off with a little WWE reaction? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, of course, WWE coming up very shortly here, uh, February 19th. Uh, so that is uh, not this Saturday, but the Saturday after that. Uh, taking place in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, is Elimination Chamber. And we talked a little bit about it, but there have been some developments going on with what's exactly happening on the card. Uh, so, obviously, we mentioned... Uh, the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship is taking place, and you've got Bobby Lashley taking on Brock Lesnar, Seth freaking Rollins, Austin Theory, Riddle, and AJ Styles. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting match. Should be. Uh, not quite sure what's going to happen with that, although I'm going to say between Bobby and Brock, a couple of those pods are going to get absolutely fucking destroyed. Yeah, that whole chamber is going to be a mess. Yeah. Uh, also announced, you've got Becky Lynch uh, taking on Lita in a singles matchup for the Raw Women's Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Usos, uh, Jimmy and Jay Uso, taking on the Viking Raiders uh, in a tag team matchup for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Yeah, uh, You've got Drew McIntyre taking on Madcap Moss in a singles matchup because reasons. They're high on him. Like, even I think it was Paul Heyman was putting him over in an interview, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Like. They have they see something in it. Like, listen, I have not seen it yet. The Madcap gimmick, sure. Say what you will. I mean, Baron Corbin gets over, and he's one of those wrestlers that he will always be in a program with somebody. He's getting near that Dolph Ziggler status, right? Where they plug and play, and he can go and put somebody over and really kind of develop somebody. That's where Corbin is, and if Madcap is, is going to be the next guy around there, it's not a bad stat to be in. Yeah, uh, and then lastly, or not, so, uh, well, second to last, you've got uh, a women's elimination chamber matchup for, uh, for a chance to take on Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship uh, at WrestleMania 38. Uh, so this is taking place between Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Dewdrop, Nikki A.S.H., and another uh, entrant to be announced. Hmm. We'll deep dive into that one next week. Yeah. I want to I save a little something for that. Okay. Because I want to see, will we have a debut coming in this Monday? Could be. Uh, I've, I've also got some speculations just based on some house show matchups they've been doing. Uh, because they've been doing, what is it, like Fatal 4-Ways between, uh, what is it, Becky, Bianca, Dewdrop, and Liv Morgan. So if, if they're, and I've been reading they've been doing that at house shows. So if that's their dry run for WrestleMania, yo, I'm all for it. I don't know how you'll get there, but I'm all for it. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, we kind of wondered what would go on with Roman Reigns and his Universal Championship matchup uh, at 
uh, Elimination Chamber. I know we were kind of thinking, well, maybe that's where you're going to have Seth Rollins challenge. Turns out to not be the case. Uh, Because it's time for his annual appearance, much like Puxatawney Phil uh, in Groundhog Day. Hey, it's time to go to Saudi Arabia. It's time for Goldberg to show up. Uh, So Goldberg came out on SmackDown this past week and said, I, you know, I acknowledge the tribal chief. I also acknowledge that you're next and I'm Mm -hmm. jumping the line and reasons. So you've got Roman Reigns taking on Goldberg in a singles matchup for the WWE Universal Championship. Okay. So as a fan, I'm not excited about this. I I could care less. Goldberg is not going over on this. I would be shocked. I, I think if you gimmicked the matchup in that, like it was Hell in a Cell or it was like, you know, Street Fight or Falls Count Anywhere, I'd be all right with it. I wouldn't be okay. You know, I wouldn't be over the moon about it. Okay. You know, I can see this, you know, just because I did watch the last Crown Jewel event and this Street Fight or whatever it was they had between Bobby Lashley and Goldberg was actually not that bad. Mm. Wasn't the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Sure. But in but in terms of just like a straight up singles matchup between the two, I couldn't care less. I just don't see a real point to it. But I understand from a business standpoint, I get why Goldberg does reach out sure. to longtime WCW fans sure. to tune in. You know, WWE longtime fans that remember when he was a big thing in the '90s and sure. 2000s. So sure. like, I get why, and he's getting paid. I understand why he's back. I am just not excited about this at all. I know that they yeah. got to have a filler program for Roman to do something. Yeah. I, I strongly don't see Goldberg coming away with it. He might. No, although but. although Common Man did, Vince totally did throw out that possibility by me that you know, old Goldberg beats Roman and then Lash, Lesnar beats uh, Lashley for uh, in the Elimination Chamber. So you'd have Goldberg versus Lesnar again at WrestleMania, belt for belt. And like, oh, I'm like, oh god, no, please. No, I think we're going to have belt for belt by the time we get there. Oh, I, 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 too. I fully think we are, but I think for this week, though, the fact that you're having Goldberg just come in for that quick payday, listen, it's going to be what it's going to be. Kudos to him. He's getting money. Like, I'm not yeah. mad about it. Yeah. I just, I have zero interest in this match. I was actually more interested about the SmackDown announcement that Charlotte Flair has her opponent picked out for Mania, or should I say somebody picked her out for WrestleMania. Yeah. One Ronda Rousey. Yep. Thoughts on that, Pat? I mean, it makes sense. You know, all the rumors and speculation were that she would be choosing uh, Charlotte Flair for this year. I know a lot of people were thinking, oh, maybe against Becky. Nah. You know, eh, okay. You know, I'm not necessarily excited for it, but like I said, you know, last week after the Royal Rumble, with a two-night event, you need two big events to take place on, you know, both nights and let's face it, Charlotte versus Ronda does put butts in the seats in terms of just name power alone. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for that. And I'm not as mad about this as I think a lot of people on the internet are. Look, Charlotte is a draw. Whether you love yeah. her or you hate her, she's a draw. She yeah. she is one of the marquee people in the women's division. So, like, I understand. And, you, and you're touching upon the right notepad. Yeah. It's WrestleMania. Every match is supposed to have that, quote-unquote, big fight feel to it. Yeah. That, something to draw you in. If Ronda faced Becky, I would have understood that. Sure. I think, I think that would have. But what I feel they're going to do is all signs point to that rematch with Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. They're going to run back SummerSlam that now Becky is fully back. Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about the big return of one of your biggest superstars. You can have the match. Bianca's going to go over as she should 
and then you go from there with the rest of your storylines. I am just interested to see how this is all going to play out with Charlotte and Ronda because I do see Shayna Baszler getting in that mix. Sure. I, don't, I don't necessarily I know how. I could see this maybe not at WrestleMania, but I went out after the UC Bailey comeback. Right. Possibly get into a program with Shayna Baszler just to kind of offset, like, whatever you're going to try telling with that storyline. Because, I mean, Ronda, I guess, is supposed to be the face in this uh, storyline. So I don't, right. I like, I don't know. Like, is it's still kind of puzzling to me about where they're going to go with this. Yeah. But I think they made the right call. Like, I'm not as mad about it as a lot of people on the net. Because, yeah. Because I, I, I fully think Bianca Belair deserves that rematch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we got to have that happen at absolutely. Mania. Absolutely. You know, like, and with the whole Charlotte Ronda thing, I'm not excited for it. But from a business ass standpoint, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, so definitely have to stay tuned for that. And we'll be covering the Elimination Chamber in detail next week. Yeah. However, though, AEW has been making some noise. Yeah. A very weird tweet, and I gotta—I have to stress the word weird because yeah. it, it read very funny to me. Yep. But Pat, I know you got that lined up, so why don't we talk about this? Yeah. So at twelve oh seven a.m. on February fifth of twenty twenty-two, so that would be a very early on Saturday morning. One Tony Khan took to his Twitter account at Tony Khan and tweeted, "Quote." The big announcement for Wednesday's Dynamite that we referenced on hashtag AEW Rampage, mm-hmm. uh, and then in, this is in parentheses, a free agent debut, and the person walking through the forbidden door are one and the same. They're walking in the door, signing a contract, and then slamming the door shut uh, Wednesday on hashtag AEW Dynamite, close quote. So this is just really kind of funny. It's got the internet buzzing a little bit because... As this tweet went out, it was the officially day 91, if I'm not mistaken, yes. of the latest round of WWE releases to get their time to now go sign wherever they choose. Yeah. So there's a lot of internet speculation about who it could be. I know the internet was running with its Keith Lee. Yeah. It quite possibly could be. He just got married this past weekend. Mazel tov. Yeah, so congratulations to him. And Mia Yim, so... Yeah, Mazel def- Yeah, so we're excited about that. So I don't know if he would necessarily come in for that. Like, I just, I don't see that happening there. Also, shout out to Shelton Benjamin, who was at the wedding, and I saw some of his Instagram stories, and he was talking about all the people that Mia Yim, quote-unquote, owes money to. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, they That was great. Yeah, they were having a lot of fun there, so... I, but I just I don't see them coming in just yet. But I could see that after you know him and Mia ha- yeah. have their honeymoon, yeah. maybe we'll see him come in at Revolution because I got, I fully think we're going to see a big debut there. Yeah, I just don't know. who. Another one could be Killer Cross. Yeah, possibly could be. But I don't. He's see... been he's been doing rounds on the Indies. I know I haven't I haven't seen that exactly yet. So I've seen I've seen posters. I haven't seen any you know actual matchups, but I've seen posters. Right. So it's quite possible there as well. Yeah. Jeff Hardy is another name that's circulating around. Could be. I know the Young Bucks changed their Twitter profile God. to uh, we need Jeff Harvey. Yeah. So who knows who it could be? Pat, do you have any speculation? See, I don't think it'll be any of the WWE guys just because that to me is not a forbidden door. Like you're a free agent, like whatever. The one I think it could be, and I think it would make the most buzz on the internet, Tamatanga. Ooh, he's been making a lot of Ooh. he's been making a lot of noise and tweeting towards not directly mentioning Tony Khan, but he's been putting his names in tweets enough that I'm like maybe there's something there. 
You know, this could just be Tomatonga, you know, stirring shit up for the sake of stirring shit up because, hey, he likes to do that. But I think that would certainly get the fans, myself included, buzzing if it was Tomatonga. I would. Like I said, no disrespect. You know, I don't think it's Gargano. I think Gargano is, quote unquote, on the shelf until after his wife gives birth. And mm-hmm. last I heard, she hadn't given birth. They just had a baby shower the other week. You know, so I don't think it's going to be Gargano. Keith Lee, I mean, it could be. You know, I know there have been talks that uh, he's been in contract negotiations with them. So, But that to me doesn't like, okay, that's expected. That's not something like hyping up on the internet. Like, oh, my God, someone's going to be showing up. You know, I think if if, if it's anybody and it would deliver, it'd be Tamatonga. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Like, you, I don't think you want to be around me when on Twitter when that happens. I have this bad feeling just on how that tweet's worded. And that's why I said it's so weird of how it's done about how they're going to walk through the forbidden door, sign and slam it shut. Sure. I have got the sinking suspicion it's Cody Rhodes. (laughs) I'm telling you this. (laughs) They're going to do some weird ass shit. And it's gonna, it's gonna be the Rhodeslander, who's now re-signed. Maybe he's gonna come in with like a different gimmick or some nonsense. If this ends up being the case, I won't say any mean shit about AEW for like a week. It, it's it, watch. It's gonna be him. Oh my god! Because he gets put into a title match. He's technic. Oh my god! Because he's technically a free agent. Yeah. Oh my god! Because who else would walk in the forbidden door and slam it shut? I mean, let's face it. This wouldn't be the first time that Tony Khan has hyped something up only for it to go like the freaking uh, lead balloon. Because there's only so many certain free agents out right now that could do that kind of buzz. Oh, sure. I mean, I know that Tonga would be one. And, and like, listen, Tonga's been tweeting at him, and he's definitely been making some noise. The the Gorillas of Destiny are now in Impact Wrestling right now doing some freaking fantastic stuff, too, by the way. So, could it be? Sure. Out of the WWE class, I don't know. I mean, the Jeff Hardy one is probably the more likely because Mia Yim and and Keith Lee are off honeymooning, so I don't see either one of them being the ones to sign in the door. Yeah. I mean, unless it was like a a complete surprise and maybe it's Deanna Perrazzo, but I don't think that it would be because they've already advertised that it will be for the men's division that the signee will be instantly thrown into a match with. Because I'm just trying to think who would generate that kind of buzz to to really bring that to light. Well, and part of the reason I bring up Tom Tonga is I pulled up his Twitter. I, I did see he tweeted, uh, as we record 22 hours ago, quote, I am a free agent since January 30th, 2022. Hashtag misinformation. Uh, and then also within minutes of that, he tweeted, hey, at Tony Khan, want to burn bridges? I love burning bridges. Hashtag fuck a forbidden door. He's making some noise, so I'm not doubting that one bit. I'm really not. But I don't think it's going to be them. I think, if anything, you're, if you're going to talk about a tag team getting signed, it's going to be the Briscoes. Could be. But then again, we have the new show coming out with Ring of Honor. The Briscoes are Ring of Honor. Like, I don't think they're going to go anywhere else. You might see FTR go to right. Ring of Honor to have that match. Well, didn't Ring of Honor let everybody out of their contracts once... Mm-hmm. end of the year so technically they're free i mean they're still affiliated with roh as long as that faction's around but like they're technically free agents yeah it's kind of a well it's it's an interesting situation that they have there but i know that with ring of honor having Supercard of honor coming in april oh yeah that's true that we're gonna hear some more names come back 
I don't know. It's just kind of this weird thing. But to guess at who's going to be the free agent, I got this feeling it's going to be the Roselander. <laughs> and this is now a way you get him in that title picture. This is now ways you do stuff like this. I mean, because who else would generate the needle like this? I mean, you're not going to get like Okada. Stardust. I mean, you, anything is possible with this. But it's like who else would be out there to generate the needle like that? Maybe Samoa Joe if he's healthy. Samoa Joe the other day on Twitter, though, said he's like perfectly happy and like good with what he's doing. Yeah, so like I say, I, I don't think it's him. I, th- I think. Let me pull that up because I did see something, though. But it's you think about like a, what names would cause that kind of buzz right now that – would move the needle like that and especially leaving the forbidden door. So that means like they left somewhere to come here. Jeff Hardy is probably the even money bet. Yeah. I, w- I would say that because I know the Bucks want to do the program with the Hardys and how that all does storyline wise with AEW is beyond me, but they'll still make the match happen. I'm not going to be mad about seeing that, but I'm not super amped to see okay, that either. So, yeah, uh, Joe did tweet the other day, my lack of Twitter engagement is simply based on my increased general happiness. It's amazing how much more hopeful you can be for the world when you don't spend the morning reading the world world most prolific idiots propped up by the algorithm. All right, so I was mistaken. Yeah, but like I say, he's been, he's been kind of quiet in socials, and I get why, because trust yeah. me, wrestling Twitter has not been a great place lately. Well, no, it's fantastic. They do nothing wrong. Yeah, exactly. They but, don't. They don't ruin returns you didn't expect after ten years, and completely ruin you wanting to watch a, another company. Mm-hmm. This is true. I mean, this is something. Unfortunately, we will be talking about more on six hundred seven TWS this week. So you want to make sure you're tuned in for that. But Pad, the final prediction for AEW this week. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Tamatonga, just because. Hey, fuck whatever the internet says, and it's going to be insane. Rhodes Lander. And I'm and trust me, the tweet barrage will be coming at OD Parlay Hour on Wednesday night. If it ends up being him, I might need a paramedic to revive me from laughing so hard. Yeah, because I just I I see them doing some nonsense like this. Like I I don't know how he's gonna come in if he's gonna say he's back to being the American Nightmare, like or so. Like they'll do something weird to give him like a new fresh slate in this. The only way you can give him a fresh slate is you get rid of that tattoo. Oh my God. There's, there's so much to yeah with Cody right now. It's just not working. So either way, we will have a lot to discuss about that on next week's show. And of course I'll be live tweeting AEW dynamite. Like I always do on Wednesday night. So you definitely want to tune in for that. And Hey, if you need more roads lander in your life, season one of his reality shows on HBO max. Hey, yeah. Cause ratings, <laughs> cause ratings and reasons. So that's just kind of a little tip of what's going on in the wrestling world. We definitely want to hear your take. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the latest additions to the WWE Elimination Chamber? Are you excited about Ronda Rousey facing Charlotte? And who is your guest for who the mystery signing is going to be at AEW this week? Rumor has it it's Coach Duffy. It could be. We haven't seen the coach in a while. We heard he's been bulking up, so I don't know. Let's kind of wait and see. Let us know, though. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cruise I wanna go 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for the last rolls? I got to talk a little bit of local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Hockey League, uh, you've got the Binghamton Black Bears sitting in fourth place with a record of 18 and 16. You've got Columbus ahead of them in third place. Uh, Danbury in second place and then Watertown in first place again. Watertown and Danbury are just running away with the damn thing. Uh, and then switching over to the schedule, uh, looking at last week, they lost their game against the Watertown Wolves by the final score of 8-6. to six. Won their game against the Port Huron Prowlers by the final score of 5-4. to four. Won their game against the Port Huron Prowlers on Saturday uh, by the final score of 9-6. to six. Damn. Uh, uh, yeah. Lost a heartbreaker against the Port Huron Prowlers for their third game in three nights. Uh, on This was on Sunday. Uh, they lost by the final score of 7-6. to six. Uh, Looking ahead, they are actually off for a little bit, a little hot minute. Uh, they don't have another game taking place until Saturday, Saturday February 19th. Uh, that will be at home at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, and then they don't have another game after that until Sunday. So they're on a little bit of a break. Could be Olympics related. I'm not entirely sure. Could be. Uh, but for more information, tickets, and all that, good stuff go to uh binghamtonblackbears.com uh and sticking with olympics the winter olympics are of course taking place uh over in beijing you've got some early medal counts uh, currently as we record and by the time you read this these numbers will have changed so hey for as of this recording the current medal standings are the russian olympic committee uh those are the folks from russia because russia is technically still banned as a country from participating but if you can prove you are not doping uh or have not doped you can still participate so the russian olympic committee uh, which i think rolls also rolls off the tongue better than olympic athletes from russia uh, are currently in first place with seven medals uh canada is in sixth place second place with six and then you've got the netherlands in third place with five uh looking at the overall standings let's see you got uh, russia canada and the netherlands italy's uh there china where the hell is the united states wow they're there uh they are a little bit down the list with only three medals all of them in uh silver uh, so I will say the nice thing with being able to watch some of the games is that they are available, uh, because it's, uh, like NBC universal. So on television, it's on NBC, it's on USA, it's on any of the NBC universal family of networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, from what I can tell USA is another one, you know, Monday night raw, the next couple of weeks will be, uh, on sci-fi. If you're watching on television, you know, the nice thing with having Peacock is I don't got to go searching on television to find all the games they're all just like like i could got the peacock opened on my phone right now uh currently usa is showing curling luge and more you know so that's the nice thing is i can just open up the peacock app and go oh let's see what's playing oh you know what i'll go watch that you know so that's been the nice thing watched a little bit of snowboarding and you know some of the downhill like tricks and stuff holy shit those people are nuts yeah they're insane you know i was watching people do like 1280s or 126s or whatever the hell it is and just landing stuff and i'm like okay my legs would be broken you know, shout out to them. Did also uh, get a confirmation what a lot of people suspected. This will be Sean White's last Olympics participating. Okay. You know, end of a stellar career. No no surprise there. He did get a custom Louis Vuitton uh, snowboard, you know, as a kind of farewell present. So win, lose, draw, however he does, this will be the last Olympics performance from the American snowboarder Sean White. And uh, definitely check out the Olympics. Uh, they can be some fun, especially curling. That shit's crazy. Yeah, curling is nuts. And I'm telling you, the snowboarding thing that I was talking about, no joke. Oh, they're nuts. I saw one had somebody set up as a human ramp. Yep. And they jumped off the board. Like, it was oh, yeah. insane. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting there going, like, what the hell is going on? Well, and especially the course they have over in, over in China, you know, for this down, the downhill slope thing I was watching. You know, the first time I watched it, I jumped in, like, midway through the women's event. I think with the women's qualifying event. 
I missed the whole part where they explained what was on the course and what was it. So I'm listening to the the play-by-play announcer going, oh, and off the house. And I'm like, wait, excuse me, off the what now? Yeah. You know, it, it's absolutely insane to watch what these folks can do that I can only dream of doing. I, I grant you that. So the Olympics are going on. Peacock has got you on the coverage. Yeah. And definitely stay tuned for that. I mean, it's always an interesting time of year to watch yeah. that stuff. So definitely tune in for that. So for my last roles, definitely want to plug Excite Wrestling. Had a very good show this past weekend at the X, Johnny Stock. So it's the only one that is the full party for Johnny Moose. and Greatest poster ever. Yes, it was. Gotta say that. Still need that framed. Card was subject to change, though, because like we touched upon, there was a very bad snowstorm in the northeast for yes. most of the United States, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. So a lot of flights had to get canceled, rerouted for a lot of wrestling shows. Excite could not be escaping that uh, problem, unfortunately. Davey Richards could not make it to the show out of uh, St. Louis, I believe he was flying from. So yep. he had to miss Jay Freddy, who was supposed to be his opponent, was injured, so he did not wrestle on the card. So mm-hmm. Ace Austin was facing Cloudy in the main event. Ace Austin, if you've never seen him wrestle in person, dude, he's amazing. That's good. Very cool main event to happen going on there. And can you believe that next month, Pad, yeah. will be Excite's 10-year anniversary? That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I never would have guessed it. Yeah, it, it's it's quietly crept up on everybody. So Johnny Moose is planning something big. He did not tell me what exactly, mm. but he did say that it is announced for March 12th. Okay. So they will be on Twitch. Uh, okay. I know there was some kind of question about that. They they did run this week from Twitch. Right. Uh, so the replay is up right now. Twitch.tv slash X-C-I-T-E wrestling. That's exciting. Um, so the replay is up for Johnny Stock. They are going to be running the 10-year anniversary there. He did say they got some stuff coming, cool. but he did not want to tip off too much. So All definitely right. stay tuned for that if you're into pro wrestling. And if you are into pro wrestling, there was an announcement from Ring of Honor. Okay. So the second inductee into their wrestling Hall of Fame is none other than Brian Danielson. Okay. So if you've been a longtime ROH fan, and you should be because they do fantastic stuff there, uh, Danielson is well worthy of the praise and the honor of being inducted. So I'm super excited to see what he's going to do there uh, for the induction. Like I said, we're still too far away to see about what right. they're going to exactly be doing. But if you've known uh, his history in ROH, they're going to be running a YouTube special to get you caught up on speed and obviously on ROH TV as well. So they're going to be doing some very cool stuff this coming week, and he's, like I said, the second inductee that's going to be uh, coming there. I know on Valentine's Day we're supposed to find out of the third, so he'll be joining the Briscoes. Uh, it's it's a cool thing to be honored to, especially with Ring of Honor and especially the history of Brian Danielson. I know we all know him from NXT and WWE and, and AEW, but right. his stuff in Ring of Honor is oh, yeah. second to none. Legendary. Man. So you definitely want to check that out. And let us end this week on a happy note. Oh, yeah. Because it was one of the most touching stories that was going around. Yeah. But Anthony Harris, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, stepped up and did something very, very cool. There was a girl that, um, unfortunately, her father had passed away, and she was looking for somebody to go to the father-daughter dance. Yeah, her, her father had passed away, and she had also lost her grandfather in the same year. Yes, and she had been a big fan of uh, Harris, and she reached out to him to see if she would, if he would go. Yeah. And he stepped up to the plate and made a very – he went, took care of everything. Literally really, covered her hair, makeup, the dress, the ride, paid for a professional photographer to show up and photograph the whole thing, met with her brother, who's a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yeah, so – 
kudos to him. Oh, yeah. So I definitely want to say, if you haven't seen the whole story, you need to go see it. There needs to be more people like Anthony Harris in this world to step up and do this. I mean, I, seriously, this was one of the most, like, touching moments I think I've read in recent memory. Yeah, I, and being a Patriots fan, I obviously have zero love lost for the Philadelphia Eagles for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But even for something like this, even I can bury the hatchet for five minutes. This was this was awesome. Well, yeah. Kudos to you, sir. Absolutely. So we definitely want to say kudos to you and, and keep up doing the great work that you did, man, because we need, more, we need yeah. more people like you in this world. Yeah. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that Brian Wolf. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's in Texas. He's doing things. Uh, last I heard, he was trying to come up with a, maybe a new name for the band that he's in. Let me throw out the wild idea. The Brian Wolf Band. See, I was going to say the Brian Wolf Pack. Ooh, that's good. So we'll have to see. But if I want to get a hold of Brian, where do I go, Pat? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out all the great bands that loan us their music to play each and every week. And they do fantastic stuff. So you always hear them in our TikTok videos. You hear them on Twitter. You hear them on the promos. They do fantastic stuff. So shout out the Robots, Floodlands, Yard Party, Tom Jolu, Second Suitor, Brian Wolf. Like I said, the list goes on and on because they're fantastic people. And they need to be supported absolutely 110%. They all got stuff going on too. So you definitely want to go check out what they're doing. But while you're at the website, swing on over to the Classified section which has friends of the show, organizational link support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. We support indie pods here at the ODPH. That's all we support is indie pods. So shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse and shout out to 607 Podcasts and 8122 Productions. Also, while you're at the website, check out the directory, which pad. How many providers are we on now? 17,000. And three. So you can't say you can't find the ODPH on your favorite podcast player. You can't. We have the links right there. You can follow right there. It'll go right to you each and every week so you don't miss a moment of content. Also, check out Parlay Points, the blog section, blowing up left and right, which thank you, thank you, thank you. Whether it's the comics or the wrestling blogs or the occasional sports one or the Mundre Minute, when Dre Driven decides to drop us a little gem of knowledge, it's all right there for your reading pleasure. You definitely want to go check that out. i got a lot of good stuff coming this week. The T. Public Store. We can get the pads dealing shirt. You can get the parlay club shirt. You can get so much swag. It's not even funny. All of that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Uh, fuck the Astros. And also shout out to Mac Jones for the greatest Pro Bowl play in Pro Bowl history. I'm your host, Ken M. What are you talking about? Stefan Diggs went through a table. Uh, that's true. That, that was that was, a, that was the skills competition, though. That wasn't the actual game. Yes, but still. Bill's Mafia, stand up. We're coming back next year. Promise you that. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. change them
children only by 